Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You don't just live in your home, you live in your neighborhood as well. So when you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Luckily, Homes.com has got you covered. Each listing features a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Everything you'd ever want to know about a neighborhood, including the number of homes for sale, transportation, local amenities, cultural attractions, unique qualities, and even things like median lot size and a noise score. Homes.com. We've done your homework. started this that I have interviewed a lot of people and I'm not really like often starstruck but Taylor Dane is someone who has like shaped my thoughts on music I grew up listening to your songs like it you are it for me like it's really exciting and then when I had the chance to interview you I'm like what am I am I like I'm living right the fact that like you are coming through my life and I get to have a conversation with you it's not every day you get to do that so I'm thrilled Thank you so much. And you've had some spectacular interviews. So I, I'm very, I'm very touched. Thank you. So I've obviously known you for, known all about your music because I've listened to it, but I've really like deep dived into your life and you have had quite a life. You started off, you said your parents were first generation Holocaust survivors. Yeah. You grew up knowing that you could sing when you, like early on, you found your voice. You were like five. When you yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, little radio, you know, we, I grew up in New York and I was, uh, got that transistor radio and that first song you heard and sing along with it. And my ear, I just was mesmerized, but it was coming out of that little box and it could be Karen Carpenter, because Stevie Wonder, you know, these are, but, uh, and I'm, and I mean, actually, as I mimicked them, if you would do as as a child, I actually sounded good. So people were like, wow, she's good. So that felt, you know, that felt good getting that kind of praise and, and, and a little bit of, you know, acknowledgement at such a young age. And I guess I might've been that annoying little kid running around singing to every jingle too, but you know, yeah. 
But I think that that's something so amazing. And I watched your TED talk about your finding your voice. And you said that transistor, transition, transistor radio, your dad gave that to you. Like that was like the first gift that you got. Like a lot of kids are getting like ponies or dolls or whatever, but your dad gave you a radio. And yeah. I know your dad has shaped a big part of who you are because he, yes. yeah, he, he was, he was, he wanted to be a great father, but he had a, like, it sounded like he had maybe an anger problem. Oh yeah. He was, he, my father, God bless him, still alive. My father was riddled with <clears throat> anxiety, anger. So anger management issues. I think we hear it a lot. And, uh, Unfortunately, it comes out in the home well, most most times, you know, so it was a very um, aggressive, violent, tumultuous childhood for the children. And I'm sure my mother, who is God bless her soul alive and with him as well today, they're still together and we will go celebrate my father's 90th. It's so hard when you travel through a TED talk like that, where you travel back because I was writing my memoir at the time. Which is called Tells My Heart How I Lost My Shit, Conquered My Fear, and Found My Voice, which is amazing. Um, yeah, so it, you, you try to take this moment, you know, and then yet you realize you're not capturing one moment, you're capturing this entire uh, journey of getting out, you know, of, of trying to break out. And, and, and for me, it was always a breakout. Other people are like, this is my childhood, I guess, and they, when they're in it, they don't realize it obviously but for me i always was like walking to school every day looking at other houses going i wonder what it would feel like to live in that house i bet you they have nice kittens in that house i bet you oh i bet you they're happy in that house because i was always kind of outside of my body looking in and trying to tell a story and trying to think of another story because i had to disassociate myself from a lot of the pain and i feel the the anxiety and the violence of some nature that was going on in my home so what do you do as a little kid when you have all that going around you and you feel maybe like you are kind of on your own? How do you process that? Well, <laughs> I'm not sure you can. I mean, obviously I came, I ended up having a lot of physical issues. First, the biggest and foremost is it came out in my bladder and kidneys. So I was, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's it's a big saying they say if you eat your pain and if you hold it within it's going to go somewhere so i held everything within you know where was it supposed to go i'm a child how can i react out how can i express my pain and suffering in a house you just have to basically hide and just kind of get through it um and it came out so i started having infections and bladder and uh so all the way up to we had to do a massive surgery on my bladder and urethra tube. So it was very traumatic for a child. So then the focus kind of came back to me on more of a medical concern or basically a dire concern. But it's not that I was looking for that kind of attention on any level. So and it's never I've never sought that again. So how do you? I think you bury. Well, for me, you can have three children in the same environment and three different stories. Interesting. I, I totally find that so fascinating. So you had two siblings and y'all all have a different perspective on your childhood? I think they'll have similar, I, I'm not sure they'll have a different story, but they have a different outcome. And they might say, oh, I never felt like this with mom or I never felt like that with dad. But yeah, 
Yeah, they do have different stories and they certainly have different outcomes, sure. Whereas I just kind of hunkered in and went like here. Yeah. I did believe, you know, I knew my father loved me and I knew my mother loved me, even though they were so consumed. It was just, they were consumed with themselves. It wasn't like raising, it was like two children were raising children. Do you think it's because they had just come out of something so traumatic themselves being first? Oh, of course, they were raised in... Think about how our parents, I mean, this is a very privileged life we give our children. And, and for the most part, we were in, I mean, my parents were born into a war. They were um, not only that, they were dirt poor. My mom moved every month to beat the rent with her mother, um, who didn't speak English, who didn't write English, who didn't, I mean, it was, you know, there's a lot going on in the world today that's happening. These were ostracized people. This is, you know, yes, my father's father. Yes, the depression, you name it, they had it. So this is not what we're living through. This pandemic is very, is, is the first pandemic and the first of its kind that they were basically born into. So struggle and, and I think this type of, of survival mechanism is very um, and their parents were absolutely running from. So it was very embedded in their constitution. For good, for bad, or for ugly. So it they, is, they wrapped themselves around each other to save themselves, I think, on a lot of levels. It's so interesting because you said this is a privileged life that we get to live, just like being here in the land of, of the free for the, for, you know, the most part. Like this, the pandemic is one of the worst things we've seen as a country, but it's, it's interesting how when you are just born into a situation, it's just that shapes so much of your life and your story. And it affects yeah, nurture versus nature. You bet. You bet. And you have to get your survival on first before you can move on to anything else. 1000%. Anybody will tell you that the core, the core thing for a human being and for any animal in itself is, is survive, right? That's our four, our, our, our first natural instinct, survive, survival. And sometimes as for the most part, it's brutal. It's a brutal, it's a brutal, it looks brutal. It sounds brutal and you operate in a brutal mentality. So when you can find a, a peace and a, and a, and a compassion and an and empathy and, an, and a way to loosen those strings, that comes with, with growth. That comes with hopefully if you were born in an environment or in an environment where you don't feel so ed, edged on and pushed and, and that's where maybe the nurture comes in where the growth is, is capable and you can easily and learn how to easily connect those dots, right? And, and find the places and the connections where you can have um, success. That's where easy, easier communication, easier building skills, easier management skills, easier success skills come into play. That's why we, we go to a lot of life coaches. How do we get out of our fear Right. And expand and open our, our, you know, ourselves up to receiving more. And that is, comes with having the ability, the privilege, the time, the space to be able to elevate, you know? And if you're in that just like surviving to live, you don't ever get to have the chance to enlighten yourself. And I feel like you 
from a young age, even how you were talking about, like, I wonder what it's like to be in that family, in that house. And then you finding your voice and knowing that your voice was your gift and like digging into that. It's like, you always knew you were meant for something bigger. It's, I feel like you always had it inside of you that you had something bigger to share with the world. Did you feel that? Yes. And it's, it's an interesting thing to say, but I also was supported by my parents with that too, because in all of that upsetting, you know, tragic kind of like upsetting household, which I'm certainly not the only person in this world. And during this, you know, God bless any child that understands and, and uh, as we all understand in any mother and any woman and any child. Um, but it was those quiet moments when they saw their children and the gift and that it was um, astounding to me where it was like, you're so special. You're so beautiful. You're so, you're my favorite child. Like, please, I, 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 I can't wait to watch you soar. So there is that side of it as well. And so, Maybe it was that little voice from my father or my mother, but at the same time, yes, there was a little seed to something inside me that that connected to something so great that was in that box, whether it was Stevie Wonder, and we can say it's Stevie Wonder today, who is still one of is the greatest of you know in my 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 mind, um, and hold on to that and say. There's life outside of this. So those are what goals are. Those are what dreams are. Those are what inspirations are and aspirations. And what I later learned, those are what, when you, when we do our meditations, when we do our visualizations, these are one of the greatest tools. And I guess that's an instinctual thing that I had. I held something outside myself. I visualized it every day and I hunted it down. So you, you visualized singing or profession every day as soon as you found your voice yeah I mean for the most part this was a this was oh yeah this was a must how did it start coming true for you what were the moments that started piecing together when you started getting these breaks and these next steps into the huge success that you had well I'm a total New York story there's no like oh I didn't get discovered on Fifth Avenue walking down you know modeling or anything like that I'm five foot two <laughs> it wasn't anything like that I was punky schmunky I worked through you know I was in three different bands I graduated high school I was studied music I studied voice I was operatically trained um, meaning that I knew I was gonna be working in every shithole <laughs> in every club in New York City and I mean I've worked in them Bitter end, bottom line, B, CBGBs, you name it. I did it. I, I had every experience, right track in. And then I grew up on Long Island, so we had all those other. But this is where live venues, it was only live venues. I mean, what was a DJ? What was a DJ? You know? And um, where I saw house music develop, where I saw what house music was or hip hop in the day was called house music, which was not even hip hop that we know it. It was a. Uh, it was 133, 132 beats per minute. So that was like up tempo. And that's what we call freestyle now. And that was what we called hip hop then. And it's just an amazing thing to be from New York and Queens and the Bronx and to watch this whole generation and this style of culture develop and, and, and proceed and become so, and become a world domination of music, you know, and just take over. And, but it was 
at the time, all you're doing is you're just trying to say, how do I find my own place within all this? And you're, um, and I would open the paper, I would open the Village Voice, and I was 16, 17, and I was auditioning. And like I said, I was studying operatically because I said, this is the only way I'd be, believe over time. And I was supported in my family that way, always to study the arts, where most families were pretty like, don't study the arts. But I was a good singer. I mean, I was a great singer. So they were like, stay out of her way. And I was like, doesn't matter. I'm out. You know? And I was in a band and I was very, very, so it's like when I asked my dad to borrow some money to make my first record, which really it was, it was my third 12 inch, which ended up being Tell It To My Heart. He was like, yeah, how much? And like, let's sign a contract. And that was for Tell It To My Heart. So wow, kind of get it. So yeah. you made that album independently and then it got picked yes. up? Mm -hmm. You made Tell It To My Heart on your own. With Rick Wake, my partner. No way. So you were that oh, yeah. good without the help of any big force behind mm -hmm. you? That's incredible. Well, no, I mean, that's what, I mean, yeah, that's our record. Then it got, it got picked up by Arister and, and the rest is history. But yeah, the machine behind it put it out there and marketed and promoted it. Yes. But, but they normally, didn't even put my picture on the first 12 inch. They didn't, they, they, they signed me single, single option album. Problem is they had such a long time catching up. I didn't get nominated for Grammys till two years after the release of the single. But don't you feel like nor a lot of times people have a talent, they get discovered, sign a record deal, and then the record label gets very involved with like shaping the artists and using their people. And so for you to come in and say, this is me, this is my music, I made it on my own, kind of take it or leave it, it's kind of like super- Oh no, they bought it. They bought a single. But it was already, it was coming from you already. Like you didn't make it with them. You had already made it ahead of time. We made it, they bought it, and then of course they wanted to remix it here and there, but yeah, we made it, it was ours, it's our master. How'd you find your sound? How'd you find your, the sound Rick that- Rick and I were, we were outlying it the whole time. Like I said, I was working in, I was working in a Russian nightclub even at the, during a couple of those, couple of those years, and I was working on every session that Rick and I were working on, and I had two, you know, a couple of bands before that, so I developed, and, and, that's that development that you don't often get this chance to see with some of these young artists, but, or they're doing it now on people's right there in the room with these kids. So it's mm -hmm. amazing what they get to do where you watch the voice or you watch idol, how they're developing things so quickly because they're taking out all that middle, all that middle development, which is and all that, all that crash and burn, which I had to do through every street through ABC land in New York city. And, I mean, just listen to Madonna, listen to Cindy, listen to Cindy Lauper, listen to myself, listen to how we speak. I mean, I think the closest that really came up that way would be Gaga. You know, she really just hustled and flowed, and that's that's what we did. That's the way it works. What so is what that? I did. Worked in that? every club, had two bands before that, and you develop your sound over really being in sessions, writing, and uh, Billy T. Scott, one of the greatest uh, – background singers ended up doing a lot of stuff on Mariah's records as Rick ended up working with Mariah. Um, I would just do sessions with him and just sit there. And I was like, you know, the only little white girl there with him and Jamila and Billy T and I was learning, wow, my phrasing and just, there was just, you just get it. You just learn and you watch and you watch these masters and they're coming straight from church and you're just like, okay, got it. What is it like 
when you have massive, massive success? What is that moment like when it's like you've done all this grind work, you've put in the hours, you've worked every club, you have paid your dues for years and years and years, and then all of a sudden you break out? Like, what does that feel like? How does the world change? Because that's just like all of a sudden you're a superstar. Well, you don't feel it at first. You don't feel any of that stuff. You're just going through emotion and you don't, it's a catch up game a lot, but also um, it was scary. There was a lot of scary moments, but it was um, spectacular. What was scary? There's a lot coming at you, like all of a sudden so much information and you just can't process it and you don't have the right team in, in your place really. I mean, it was just Rick and I. We didn't have lawyers. We didn't have accountants. We didn't have anything in place. Think about it. And then you have people coming in going, sign, 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 look, look, look. And your life is being signed away for years. And you're committing yourself, you know, and you're quite young and there's a lot going on. You don't expect that. And you have to have some real good, you know, business acronym in place. And, and more than that, you know, you have to be quite savvy. And so these are the tools. Um, but that's unfortunate that comes up a lot later in the game, but yes, but that's, that's the stuff that got a little scary, but the, you know, that feeling, that rush, that going into it of that, it was, it was unbelievable. It was, you're playing in one club and then the next day you're, they're like, you're going to Europe. But sometimes they wouldn't put you in first class. You go, well, why am I going to Europe? Well, you're going to open up for Michael Jackson's and why am I in coach? <laughs> Record company, too cheap. Put you up there, yeah. I mean, I'm just, you know, these are just, it's just you're you're growing at the same time, and everybody's figuring it out. So you have to grow your management. You have to figure out what you need. That's really the be beginnings of success like that. It wasn't like I was built. I wasn't built. Like I wasn't. There wasn't a built. We it built. We you built it along the way, and they placed me in and put songs and yeah. It was really. Yeah, the beginnings of it all. That is a really good distinction. I feel like people think that the music industry and stars have everything so perfectly put together and it's like this very organized system and everything is just like laid out for you with a red carpet. But God, you're no. in the middle of it. It is just a giant mess. I mean, it's all good. It could all it can all really work, but it also can all be a disaster too. Well, I mean, you're in the music industry indirectly and directly. So, I mean, you're hearing it from, listen, I, my career started in 19, my career, meaning as Taylor Dane started in 1987. Yeah, no, I don't. Uh, Tony Abate was our accountant. That's who was managing. And he's like, I don't know. I, like, I have MGM's call. I don't know who's calling. Yeah. What is that like when all of a sudden you're, like you said, you're on a plane to go open for Michael Jackson? I mean, are you, are you feeling like I got this, like this is where I'm supposed to be? Are you like, holy crap, like I'm going to open for Michael Jackson? Is it like, are there any kind of like, is this- Did I read, you have the book in front of you? <laughs> <laughs> Joe, I'm going to shit my pants, I can't go out there. <laughs> it's a roar of the stadium. It sounds like the gladiators are going out there and the, the people are going to tear me apart limb by limb. Because that's the sound of a stadium. And these were 60,000 people ready for the bad tour. And there were no other tours like this. You know, Michael, oh, no, you can't he started these, Michael really created these phenomenons. He started the, from the victory tour to this and, mm -hmm. and it was, it was wild.
but watching, learning, embracing the family life, being on the road like that, and then creating my own family like that. I really, you go, go within and you find your, and your family is, is right there with you, you know? And then when you come home, you, yeah, you, go ahead. What do you mean creating the family life on the road? Well, your family becomes your, your touring band and, you know, your, your people with you, your, your style, whoever's with you, really, that's your family. And that tour lasted two years. And country's no different, right? You go out in a tour bus and even from the beginnings, right? So your first band, maybe you can't afford to take out anybody, even if you have a tour bus, maybe you're in a van, who knows? But like, that's your family. And you're in the trenches with those people. Because even if you're on the biggest tour in the world, you're still like, Every day is a new adventure. Oh my goodness, yes. Oh my goodness, yes. What was one of your favorite memories from being on the road with Michael Jackson? I don't know. I just would stand on stage watching him or Frank DeLeo, if you remember. Frank DeLeo was his manager. And Frank DeLeo, if you remember him from Goodfellas and so many other, God rest his soul. I remember him with the big cigar and he'd look at him and he'd go, yeah. And he'd start, want to be starting something. I mean, just from that and the lights and it's just, and the people just, and them hosing the people down. And it was just like, wow. Can you imagine that today? No. Anyway, no. Um, and he'd be like, I'm going to manage you after this kid. And I was like, it was just so many, just so many moments. Just being in, in uh, Monaco and, you know, or Nice and, yeah, that was, that was a brilliant tour. Going <laughs> with one of the boys and watching a shark come after him while we're, we're, you know, we're out there, we're out there water skiing and a shark, Monsieur, get back in the boat. There's a shark. So we're like, Frank, get back in the boat. <laughs> just moments all the time. I mean, just crazy things. Just finding yourself in situations you could probably never even dream of. They're just happening all of a sudden. 100%. But that's the road. So... And that's so... That, every, those experiences, yes. In every song that you sing, I, I really loved your TED Talk. Like I, that one, it, it was really powerful. You said every song you sing has, pretty much every single has had the word heart or love in it. Isn't that astounding? But it's true. Tell it to my heart. Prove your love. Prove your love, right? Love will lead you back. I'll always love you. <laughs> Tell it to my heart. It's amazing. It really is. But I mean, people associate, I think, I mean, you tell me, very passionate artist, very passionate, big voice. And um, so I guess the heart matters and love plays into every, I mean, I haven't heard a song yet where it's not about love. Not really. I know. So what is your take on love? Because you said even though all your songs are about love, you are such a love-filled person. Like you have so much love. You're, you, you decided to be a mom of twins on your own, but you said as far as like actually a love relationship, that's been something that you have never quite like. You mean marriage. Like yes. locked in with. So, Which I'd no like to, I'd like married. to, I think you want to set me up, you want to set me up honey with a beautiful country man? What do you think? I mean, it's, think it's possible. See, to me, it's settle my ass down. It's always shocking to me, someone like you, because I always feel like everyone would just die to be with someone as beautiful, as talented, as kind, as sweet, as just like the experiences that you have. Like you're one in a million. So to me, like you're the exceptional human. 
And maybe that's why it's so hard for you to find love. You know? I'm not, I, I don't, no, I just think, you know what it is? I, can I really just be truthfully honest? I think it's just, um, it's not from lack of being asked or not. I think it's just kind of like, I should have just popped this cherry a long time ago. And now it's just kind of sitting on a shelf. And now it's there. And it's like, wow. I'm like, how did this stigma get, like, what did I do? Why didn't I even just like do it before? Why didn't I just, because it felt like something so sacred, mm -hmm. something so not to be toyed with, not to be joked with. And it also, you know, I, I mean, at a very young age, obviously I put my career first, but that doesn't mean on relationships or anything else. I mean, obviously I have children. I mean, they're, they're 19, God knows. Um, yeah. And I have to say like, really, it's almost like it just, and you can ask so many women, eventually we just, or anybody, I think we just kind of get like stuck in a rhythm maybe, or I just, it's like, it's like, I didn't pop my cherry and now I'm like, Oh my God. But you know what? I get that because I, and I have tons of friends who are married, tons of friends who are single. Like I'm married, but my husband and I broke up for a lot of years in between. And then we got married because like, it was that same kind of thing. Like, what is this marriage? Is this really something we want to do? Because it feels like it's such a big deal. And it is, but it's like combining your life with someone and locking in and saying, I'm going to absolutely like make life work with you. It's hard because everyone is bound to get on everyone's nerves. At some point, there is no perfect situation. And there's going to be times that really suck being married. And there's going to be times that are really great being married. And it's like, it's just kind of like a, it's a huge decision to just like lock up with someone when you have a really great life going, you know? Well, there's that. There is that. Or you're just consumed and you can't, or you can mirror and you can. I don't know. I don't, I don't have the answers. I've longed for it or I do long for it. I do want to, I, I don't, I don't know. At this point you're like, yeah, I mean, do I have everything I need when it comes to? Sure. Sure. I do. But I must, I'm missing. I'm, I'm there's, you know, and I hate to call it growth because that almost sets yourself up for like a ka-ching, but I don't know. I mean, in my TED talk, I thought, is it fear? Is it a, a, a fear of commitment? And I don't think so. I've been committed in relationships. I'm not fearful of that at all. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. 
With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Well, I'm just telling you, Taylor, I am a really good matchmaker. And if I have anyone and I actually could matchmate Taylor Dane, I think I would just die. So I'm just saying, I'm putting it in the back of my mind. I know a lot of people in the entertainment industry who are really cool and good guys. So I'm just going to just gonna file it away. I'm just going to make this Absolutely. one of my thoughts. I mean, not that you got it out. I'll do it. we pick today? Okay. Bless. So what is it like raising twins on your own? And how did you decide it was time for babies? That's a big deal. Twins is no joke. Well, I guess when I go in, I go in hard, right? That's <laughs> yeah, like, hey, well. your mom and dad, mostly I was mostly dad, right? I was out there. I'm, I'm out there um, procuring, doing actively. Um, they're really solid, beautiful kids. They really are. Um, they're 19 now. Huh? What a testament to you. Raising good yeah. kids is like the greatest accomplishment you can really ever do. Yeah. And watching them grow into, you know, adults. And this has been nothing short of a very challenging time for any parent and certainly any, any, my God, I feel for them. They graduated high school during COVID. They had their first year and a half during COVID. I mean, college, and it's just been very trying. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like mom, dad, and I also feel like the nest, and I also feel like I'm back into kind of like reclaiming back into me. Mm, mm-hmm. But a lot of it was, when I look back on a lot of it, you know, as a mom, like the experience of it and like being, it, it's, it's amazing. How- being a mother is amazing, you know, but this is, this, this last, this last, this last, this is a this is a very interesting age. I remember when I was 18, 19, 20. It was rough. It's a growth. It's a real growing, learning about yourself and where you want to go and, and pushing yourself, you know? Oh yeah. Like right right when you're becoming an adult and you feel you feel like you're an adult, but yet the world is wide open. It's terrifying. Oh, yeah, you're not anywhere near it, but you are, but you have to start making some real decisions. Like what am I gonna put my commitment and time to? So a lot of times you feel pushed by your parents, but a lot of times you want to just sit there and sit on the side of the road like you got a flat tire and then just live there. I'm like, you can't live here. This isn't a house. It's a road. So <laughs> it might look like this is my house, but you can't keep living like this. This has to, it can't stay stagnant. It has to move. Even That's though true, we feel man. like our lives have been told we're stagnant right now. You can't move. We have to keep things moving. And that's, that's, 
that's the challenge that I feel we've all faced during this pandemic. A man, it took me a minute to like get back to life. Like for the past year, I have just sort of got, well, not like I wasn't depressed because I feel happy with my life, but like just kind of like lost um, motivation for a minute. Like it was hard to stay motivated during the pandemic. It was hard to like know what we were working towards. Like what's going to happen? We can't leave. We can't, you know, there's no reason to dress up to, I had a hard time finding inspiration to put out any like art or like podcasts or do stuff because I was just like, for what, you know, we're all just like locked down. Did you feel any of that? Of course I do. I feel, I still feel it. Of course I do. There's a veil lifting, but you're still kind of like the veil's lifting, but it's not really completely lifting. You have countries, you have, you know, you're hearing it. We're still so unsure. There's no like green lights. This isn't like we all got our get out of, you know, we think it's green. And so of course, of course I feel it. We all feel it. And I felt that so much with my work. It's like what, um, just as an artist, I mean, we've got hit the hardest, right? Obviously just entertainment. We, we just shut down as far as touring. Um, but creatively, I stayed quite creative. I would think for the first six months, it was just rhythmically. I was really involved in that. And then I started now with Dane's Den and I've really started going back into that because it's very hard to keep it just so, as an artist, it's very difficult, I think, if you don't polish and move and, and, and morph. And now I'm starting to feel it, but I, I absolutely went through and I absolutely do go through these real uninspired or very, you know, as you would say, feeling very unmotivated. Sure. And it's natural. It's empath- it, it's a, a kind of an apathetic, which is a very sad thing to say, but you get kind of apathetic about what's going on around you because this unknown abyss is very scary. Yeah, I understand. But I think it's really cool for people to hear coming from someone like you that you have dips too, you know, because I feel like a lot of people put artists on pedestals or put entertainers on pedestals or put people in the public eye on pedestals. And they think like, man, they haven't made, they don't understand. They don't know what it's like to like feel down or to have like moments that are like bumps in the road or like, you know, have heartache. But really it's, it's the same, if not sometimes worse, because as an entertainer and as an artist, you're putting your whole self out there every single day. That is your product. That is your brand. So when you're actually having like a down moment, it's you as well, because that is your career and your livelihood. Absolutely. And I feel like that's why, I feel like that's why a lot of times it's hard. Entertainers can get into these like, like these emotionally, um, ruts because you're putting your whole life out there and you don't understand that unless you are doing that as an entertainer and then everyone's coming at you and everyone has opinions and everyone doesn't understand and they have you're not a dentist yeah you're not a um bookkeeper it's your personal life is involved very much in your musical identity and in your as your as an entertainer as an artist because you're perceived as a package and you are right physical mental, emotional, how you deal with your public. So you're absolutely correct. Yeah. It is a very emotional journey. What is it Signing like? up body, mind, and soul. It's, what is it like, though, being perceived as one of the most talented, beautiful, sexiest, just, like, iconic singers? Like, how does that weigh on someone's psyche? Like, is that pressure? To, or is it is pressure? Is what you're telling me? <laughs> yeah. Is it pressure? 
I mean, you, you are like babe of all babes. Not many people are like on that status. How do you handle all that? There's that little thing again where I, I don't, I don't know. I don't even handle it anymore. I, I just, I guess it's kind of like, what was your last hit song? You don't, I don't think that way. Like, I think it's a, you're always in competition with yourself or saying, how do you feel? How do I feel inside? I never, like if people are going to have comments and thoughts, that's of course, that's, that's natural. But how do I feel inside? That's my barometer. That's always how it's been. So if you feel good, if you feel really good and usually more emotionally, mentally, if you feel really, really sound and really strong, it will show. It will show in your work. It will show in your um, in your relationships. It will show if you're surrounding yourself with people that feel good emotionally, physically, and that. And um, and sometimes you have to go right in. You know, you have to go inside and really look at look at your stuff. There's no doubt about it. But um, that's gone through hills and valleys too in my life, of course. And uh, I can promise you though, when you mentally and emotionally connect, that's where you feel um, your strength and power. And for me as a woman, um, that took time when I had my kids and I did, went through a lot of fertility and my body was definitely holding on to a lot of different weight and other things for a while, for years. And um, menopause and all these different things where I feel like we're all, I mean, you're not there, but coming on to these things as a woman in her 40s and 50s, I was like, you know, these changes and watching your face, changing your skin and all these things that... Um, and that's the thing too, with a, being a woman, I feel like men age and everyone's like, oh, they just get better with age. But with women, it's like, as soon as you start aging, it's like eh, you have to start the anti-aging process. And there's so much pressure to stay, like to stay, like you're in your 20s, which is just like, I feel like we should celebrate getting older, celebrate bearing children, celebrate these bodies that bring new life into the world, celebrate these bodies that have carried us through. Mm -hmm. and, the, and, you know, and the aging process is really a, a blessing that we're still here to have another day, but it's so much different for women than men. Well, that's a given, but that's just the way it is. That's, that's judgment. That's the way we're set up. That's obviously just the way it's set up. I mean, I remember 25 years ago working out in a gym, 25 years ago working out in a gym, even a private gym. And that little guy came up to me and he told me exactly what psyche, what, it, what, it, what the psyche is. He goes, five guys are going to walk into a bar, Taylor. He, I was on the, I was working out, he was my trainer. And he goes, what are you looking at? I go, I don't know. You know, Cindy Crawford, he goes, give me that shit. And I go, why? He goes, you're, he goes, you're hot. He goes, but you're never going to be Cindy Crawford. He goes, does Cindy Crawford go in there and say, I want to sound like Taylor Dane? She's never going to have your voice. He said, but five guys go into a bar and the most gorgeous woman comes in and all five guys think they can get her. And all five guys say to each other, yeah, yeah, yeah. You go, Joey, you go this. Cause they kind of, it's like to them, it's a rally. Mm -hmm. Five girls walk in a place and they see one guy and they're like, that's mine. If five girls say you can get them, you can, they don't think that way. No. 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 That's not, we're not built that way. It's very territorial. We're also very, we. I always was like, I always felt unworthy. I always was like, no matter how externally 
beautiful someone else may think I had gotten myself to be. Like I always felt like, oh, I'm not good enough. Like I'm not worthy. Whereas like you're saying, a guy most of the times walks in and is like, oh, I can, I can rock this, even if they are totally not sexy. Well, they don't. It's it's different for them. They if it's a if it's a. Well, maybe it's because we have to choose. We're the ones that we have to use everything we have to get that first choice of mate. You know what I mean? It really comes down to biology. And that's where it comes. A man, and then it's biology because you're the one that holds a child for eight months. You're the one that's down and out. You're the one that has to hold it down. Yes. So if you're holding it down and somebody's just fluttering and that, and if we biologically need to have a partner there to help us sustain it, partner it. I mean, those are kind of the things I think that's biologically, that's mentally what goes on. And so then you saying to a person like me, well, why haven't you partnered up? And then you're saying, well, is it because you have everything you need? And I go, well, maybe there is that part of it that I've given myself everything I need on a, sustaining level but is it emotionally sustainable is it you know physically sustainable no but do you want that just a companion or do you want to feel that all the way down to your toes you know and I always thought I wanted to feel it all the way down to my toes truthfully mm -hmm. but I have to tell you I think there's a lot of biology in this conversation I truthfully do I think men and women are very you know this is just Super primal. At the end of the day, as like advanced as I think as, as we get as like humans, we're still just animals. And it's like wild to me. It is so wild to me how like sexually driven this world is. And I'm like, we have advanced so much and all the things that people are capable of doing, inventing, creating, being, but still it all comes down to sexual that sexual energy and that primal drive. It's just sexual bad. energy, but it also comes down to the dynamic of a ma masculine versus, you know, masculine energy, feminine energy. And what really is the innate quality that, you know, what is their DNA? What, what drives, what's the driving force behind it? You know, for women, what, what is, you know, I'm just gave you something so simplistic where it's true though, you know, five guys come into a bar like that and not all five guys and all five guys are kind of in a group. Mm -hmm. They're like, Hey, ho, you know, and they'll set the ugliest guy, you know, the one that's like the biggest, and they'll be like, go on, Joey, you go get it. And you can see it happening, can't you? Mm -hmm. But that's not happening with five best girlfriends. No. I feel you. Nope. When did you decide it was time to put your life on paper and write a book? That was for my 30-year anniversary of Tell It to My Heart. That was it. And... I went and started working with a, a, I mean, I really started talking and meeting with um, ghostwriters, so to speak, and uh, reaching out. And that's how I met Linda Syverston. And I took a book workshop with her and a writing retreat with her and in Carmel, which I recommend so many times. She's just phenomenal. Um, or anytime. You, if, if this is something you're, you know, really learning how to publish a book and publish yourself and, and write, um, and during that process, really with her, I call her the, she's the book guru. Um, she goes, Taylor, you realize you're, you're undertaking a two-year process. And, you know, when, when you're really developing and going into it, you realize it is, you know. Um, she goes, but I feel we can, let, let's get you in, let's, let's, let's put this into a TED Talk for sure first. Yes. And that was when that developed. So it was really, the, the TED Talk was really 
you're seeing this 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 beautiful um i guess art form of you know spoken word version of the book mm-hmm. thought of like with musical content because i really just didn't want to go up there and do a musical piece that wasn't really what my intention was you're such a good public speaker that it was so yeah. the, the talk was so well it flowed so well it was so inspiring the way you presented it it was just i was it was well, mesmerizing. they're challenging i can only imagine you stand up there by yourself and just talk <laughs> Well, no, that took, that's six months of preparation. So it's a challenging process. So you like memorize it kind of. Absolutely. Oh yes. Oh yes, 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 yes. And we had media, a couple of things in media going on and you know, we're multimedia stuff. So yes, it's a very challenging event to say the least. And you don't want to let your peers down. And, and of course it was a huge event. It was, you know, it was, yes. And it lives on indefinitely. And I had the pleasure, I have to say to myself, of watching it. I haven't seen it, and it's, it's about two and a half, three years old, and I watched it for the first time in forever recently. And I was like, damn, it's just like you're saying. I said, wow, you really, you really were eloquent, you were really well spoken, and you really, you know, this was not a, this wasn't, this wasn't light weighted, no. Mm-mm. It was deep and heavy. Mm-hmm. But it had but, so much redemption. Yes. Yes. It was a beautiful life is what it was. And it was a, it was a real life. And I think that's what we all are dying to see is that we all are just in this real life. What is that like to put yourself out there constantly and have people like to put your music out there, to put your book out there, to put your Ted talk out there, to put yourself out there constantly for people to weigh in on. What is that like? I think most people are generally, beautiful and and they want to mostly you just need help like me as an artist i just need help helping me actually uh, um you know you have you you have management in your life or people that help you execute and that's really where it is but i think what is it like hopefully you 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 hope people are fairly looking at the content not just judging it like oh that's just tired like dude, that's just too easy to get around. That's just tired. Or like, she should have just gave it up like 30 years ago kind of stuff. You know, when you read stuff like that, it's just like, are you really listening? Because, you know, if there is really something putting, if somebody's putting something out 30 years later, they're, they're actually trying to say something. Mm-hmm. So, um, but what is it like? It's like, um, I don't think of the time. I think of when you're creating art, like I've been in the studio recently and I'm just so much more thoughtful of what I do and the words I'm saying. But I think that has a lot to do with just where we're at. But that's, I'm just more thoughtful, far more into the lyric content and what I'm saying. That's amazing. Yeah. Was it scary to dip your toe in acting? Because you're a natural at that as well. That's a muscle you definitely have to work at, you know. I mean, you just put yourself out there in all the things, and you crush. I mean, it's like, dang, Taylor Dane can do. She can sing. She can speak. She can write. She can act. She can have twins on her own. I mean, literally, you are a powerhouse that just you you just like you crush at everything you put your mind to. Where do you live in Nashville? Uh huh. Let's go. Let's go hang out. (laughs) Well, I'm just telling you the truth about yourself. Is it, was it scary to act? 
No, because I'm living it, you know, and sometimes I have, you know, I have doubts. I have questions all the time. And But you my, do it anyway, and that's the difference. That's, that's what makes it, people that, great. I will never, ever say I should have, could have, would have. That's, that's the thing that makes people uh -huh. great is you do it anyway. Like so many people are like, I'm not going to, I don't want to do this because I could fail. But you're like, no, I'm going to, I feel like I could be great at this. I'm going to work for it and I'm going to do it. And then you do it and you crush. But I mean, that is the difference. Well, a lot of t I've crushed a lot of times or I'm sure I failed. Well, I mean, there's no way you can't fail at some point when you're constantly putting stuff out there. You're, it's going to happen. But in, for the grand picture of your life you have done incredible things you know yeah. like one in a million people do what you've done what part is inspiring you the most can i help you with anything well that's so nice of you to ask taylor yeah um children what is it i the thing that i really well, I struggled a long time in my life with just feeling not worthy and not feeling good enough and feeling like everybody was probably better at everything than me. And like, why would I even try? Like just very shy, very um, insecure, not feeling like I always like had dreams and stuff and I pursued them, but then I would get overwhelmed by everyone else and just think like, you know, I need to just quit. <clears throat> and just, I, I just always was super, I doubted my self-worth a lot. And then I, but I also continued to put myself out there, continue to try, continue to get involved with the business and get to know people and learn and get better. And I realized, I think what has changed my life is realizing that everyone is scared and comes from hard, hard spots and has insecurities. But like we're talking about, it's the ones who just keep moving forward, who decide to keep going even when they feel like a giant loser or they've crashed and burned, but yet they're like, okay, I'm still going to like go again. And I feel like somehow I found that within myself to just keep trying. And I haven't had like massive success in my life, but I have had continued success and growth. And like I have evolved in a way that if I would have stopped when I was young and starting because of my fear, yeah. I would have missed so much of the beautiful journey. It's a muscle, right? So it's a muscle. It. So it's a muscle, and you've got to push against it. And, and it goes like this, this rubber band. And most people, but you'll get an inch each time if you really keep pushing against that muscle. It will. It's hard to push find, against it. That's confidence building. It's not confidence. It's confidence building. It's strength building. That's it. It's a muscle, and you have to keep. It's not easy. That's testing, what I'm saying. It testing even, like, yourself, testing, the you get, pushing yourself. The when you have that kind of fear inside you, when you have that kind of doubt inside you, because I think a lot of us do. Well, and the bigger you get, like you being 65 million records sold, everyone, I mean, singing your songs, knowing your name. It's like, that's almost like, yes, on one hand, that is like the dream. But on the other hand, like there's this other side that is like terrifying to have that much pressure because now everyone can say that's why you have to be strong within yourself because now everyone has the opportunity to have an opinion about you you know and if you're not strong in yourself like it, it can really be hard to manage all that one thousand percent and you can only learn that while you're learning it sometimes it's the most daunting thing without making those big pothole mistakes and mistakes happen they do 
and hopefully they don't they don't last your whole lifetime truthfully really deep breath like this thinking about something you just said those are practices that's something i learned when i did a hoffman retreat this really oftentimes people say things and people can't take them in right so receiving is one of the hardest things especially when you doubt yourself so you said some beautiful things to me today and i wanted to be able to receive some of it as the moment so it's white noise it's our noise it's our fear it's our noise it's our anxieties and it's our lens of what's been in the past who said stuff about us like what how we perceive the world situations that we've encountered we just carry these filters and like i kind of picture it like this you start off fresh as a baby and then it's like you just get a lens from your childhood and then you get a lens from like other people that have affected you and it's just like you have so many layers in front of you that you can't even see your true self unless you take the time to dig in there and like find it because we get so clouded by everyone else's thoughts and opinions and all that things that have happened to us very true very true darling well i'm gonna wrap up with you because i know you have a lot going on and i'm very thankful and grateful to have this time with you. you thank you i have a couple questions that i kind of like to just like throw out there and i'm super interested to hear your thoughts about this what do you think the point of this life is? <clears throat> I think the point <clears throat> is to share your experience and love, the growth you're going through. I think we all came in with there's some serious challenges we all we all come up with not to go out bitter, not to go out with the bitter, not to go out with the challenge, to go out with the sense of what we just did, of going through it, of working through it, and of achieving a loving grace with it and being graceful about it and living in a loving grace with purpose, with others, you know, meaning it's shared. So the point is to live with Whether I've sharing. done 75 million records or more, or maybe it goes to 95 million. Yeah. But you have to have that loving grace within yourself that's going, that is moving outside because you're not radiating anything else otherwise. You're not radiating goodwill. You're not radiating, that's not coming through in your work. So when I'm on stage, if that's my purest form, at the end of that last note, if I feel like my job is well done, this is where I come to. This is the exact place I come to. And if I have too much noise going in my head before, if I'm not in the right venue, if I'm not in the right, you know, all that stuff that can get in the way, which happens to every, I mean, <clears throat> how many more things can't go wrong before you start a show? But <clears throat> if you can set those things up more than, you know, with your crew and stuff beforehand, but once you're there and you're with your audience and you can get to this place of grace and everybody leaves a winner. Mm. They're going on with this flow of energy and that's what you what happens in music. They're getting that bite. That's why when you listen to Bruno Mars and certain artists, you're just like, wow. You get they're, a giving, bite. they're giving you something. They're, it's fuel. Oh, yeah. Your music oh, is yeah. It's an experience, honey. Yeah. You listen to Marvin Gaye, that's why 40, you're just like, What's going on? What's going on? Mother, mother. You just, you're there. 
feel it. Shaka Khan, right? I'm every woman. It's all in me. You're right. You 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 you. It resonates. Tell it to my heart. Tell me I'm the only one. Is this really love or just a game? Right? Well, love will lead you back. Someday I'll just know that. Yeah. Taylor, you are a beautiful soul. Amen. You brought it out today. I thank you. I am just like... You don't, you don't know how much I have enjoyed this conversation. It Michael, is really, really? A, a privilege. I always uh, wrap up with leave your light. What do you want people to know? It's just super open-ended. I want people to know that I'm ready to have a beautiful 2021 and let's get our, let's go. Let's get our music on. Let's go. Let's abundance, joy, lean, lean and loving and, and abundant. And, um, I'm ready for a lot of new experiences, a lot of new friendships and, and bold, grounding, beautiful, beautiful friendships. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. And I have to ask, how was the mass Singer? That was pretty awesome. Oh, it was great. Was it a, was it a trip? Trip and a half, baby. Was it so fun singing and no one knowing who you were? Nobody knows who you are, but I mean, even yeah. you into yourself, but you're just so well oiled. You're in that machine and you're just so well tanked and you're just so, and you just, I loved it. I loved the autonomy of it. I loved everything about it. That's what I just love about the entertainment industry. It's like all the, like what a random thing, the mass singer, what a random show to even be created. But then to like have that experience and put yourself out in that new way. It just, it's like liberating. It was so liberating. It was amazing. Oh man, you were great. awesome. Popcorn. It was great. I mean, that was fun. That was a good one. You're amazing. You're Taylor, amazing. I appreciate you. This was really appreciate special. You too. I hope we stay in touch. Please give Joanne your information because I come to Nashville or whatever. Yeah, it'd be great. Oh, man. I would love to stay you come to LA at all? I do. I haven't come in a, in a hot minute, but I do come to LA a lot. And I have a lot of spectacular women friends in Nashville who are in the entertainment industry that I would love to introduce you to, too. I mean, I'm sure you have tons of people you hang out with. No, I mean, all the time. No, I love it. Let's go. Yeah, I love that. Give me your number. Oh, okay, great. Okay, I'm going to hang up and I'm going to give it to you. Okay, Taylor, you're the best. Okay, bye. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With Samuel Bogris 
fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 